Thank you, Thomas. I would ask you to remember, brother, in prayer, all the rest of the students, that the Lord will be with them in their labours for the Lord in the Whitfield College of the Bible. Turn with me, please, again to the Bible reading in the book of Job, Job chapter 30. Job chapter 30. We're going to look this evening at the words of verse 23. It's estimated here in the United Kingdom that people move on average every seven years. You may have been living in your house a lot longer than seven years, but with according to the, the how people view mortgages and people applying for new mortgages, they reckon every seven years people move. Well, here's the final move for us all. Job 30, 23. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. God uses sickness. God uses sickness in many different ways. And oftentimes he uses sickness to make us contemplate the unthinkable in our latter end, that we too must needs die. There's nothing really like human frailty to uh, focus the mind upon how short this journey of life really is. It was Job's sickness that made him think of his own demise. Other than that, he was a prosperous man. He was successful. He made money like nobody else in the whole area. He was one of the mighty men of his day and of his generation. But what dire straits he found himself in by the time we reached chapter 30 in this most ancient of books. It is supposed by some biblical commentators as we read through the book that in addition to the boils and the afflictions uh, that Job had to endure. He had great difficulty in breathing. This is suggested to us in the words of verse 18. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. It seemed, it seemed to Job that his sickness was so great it was nearly constricting his breathing. He, he was gasping for breath as it were. And night and day he suffered this wearisome affliction. And his body reeled under that oppression because in verse 17 it says, My bones are pierced in me in the night season and my sinews take no rest. It was as if even when he went to bed he couldn't sleep. He couldn't even enjoy the rest that, that he was meant to. We can but admire the courage and the faith of this uh, patriarch. Faced with his own inevitability. He was able to number his days and apply his heart unto wisdom. Believers, just like Job, ought to neither fear death nor sigh for death. Let's content ourselves to finish the journey. However short or long the journey is, and to live for God right to our final dying moment. And let him be the arbiter and the great decider as to when the finishing line will be. Job made the mistake, of course, in his hasty conclusion in verse 23, but he felt sure the time of his departure had come. It had drawn nigh. He hadn't long to go. And, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, we know he had quite a few years yet to go, because only God knows the day of your departure and my departure. We might feel as if we've got near the end of it, we might feel as if some days today is the finish of it. 
but God alone knows that date. He got the date wrong, but he got the fact right. And what he stated here in Job 30, 23 was an undeniable truth. Sooner or later, men and women, God is going to bring us to our final move. To the house appointed for all living. And of course what is referred to here, the house appointed for all men living, is the grave. Sooner or later, barring the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all going to succumb to death and we're all going to be put in our final house. That little grave that is set aside for us. I know there are those and they don't like to think on death. I've met people over the years, they wouldn't make a will because they would think that that would hasten their demise if they made a will. Let me tell you, you making a will will not hasten your demise one second. Not even one second. Avoid talking about death, death will not avoid you. And we all have to deal with this subject. It's the church's task, I know, to help the living. And here and on along, we certainly try to do that the best we can. To give encouragement to every brother and sister clambering up the hill of difficulty. To help those that are in trouble. To pray for those that are in need. But primarily, men and women, it is our job as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to prepare men for the dying. Because die we all must. We're going to look at this subject, this final removal in Job 30, 23 this evening. And I pray that God will speak to all of our hearts, every saved heart, every unsaved heart. That God will speak to all of our hearts, even here tonight. What does it mean, this final house removal? Well, let's look at how Job uh, described this case. Job was a man of great learning. As we read through the book of Job, we discover that he knew about astronomy. There's very few of us know anything really much about astronomy. He knew about commerce, he knew about philosophy, he knew about history, he knew about geology, he knew about theology, he knew about depravity, he knew about deity. And on any one of those subjects, Job was able to discourse with quite a bit of authority. But a sickness led upon him uppermost in his mind was eternity. And let's think for a moment how those circumstances came about. Job knew what he stated had universal application. Of course he did. He was a contemporary with Abraham. He had watched, he had watched all of those aged patriarchs come and he had watched them go. There was a whole cloud of witnesses had been taken from his own day and generation. But what was applicable to men in general is applicable to our own day and generation. The Bible says we all must needs die. And I think from time to time we need to be reminded of that fact. There are so many people and they're so busy living they don't have time to think about dying. But the Bible says whereas water spilt upon the ground that cannot be gathered up again. There are only two personal exceptions and one notable Future exception to this rule. You know the only two exceptions to this rule. We all must needs die. Was Enoch. 
and was Elijah. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Elijah was translated to heaven in the chariot of fire. Where's the other exception? It's the second advent when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Barring the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I could be that final generation that will be here on earth when the Lord comes back. We will not go through the valley of the shadow of death. I have met people even in recent months and have said to me, Oh, I hope I'm one of the final generation that is here when Jesus comes back that will not have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe we will be. It's estimated that every second, every second, thousands die. By the time we finish this meeting, thousands all over the world will have left time and have gone out into eternity. We live in a world of death. Death is all round about us. The geological strata tells us we're living on top of the death of previous generations. There are graveyards dotted across Northern Ireland that people have forgotten about, that are littered and filled with the dead. We're surrounded by death. Let's not deceive ourselves and one dead death, one dead death will catch up with us. Job stated case in such a way that he takes us back to the beginning of, of, of man's origins. He said, I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. What was he referring to? Well, if you just go back a little minute or two to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. Remember, this is what God said to Adam and Eve. He said, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. I know there are some Christians that they don't agree with the committal at a graveside. I have always done a committal at any funerals I have ever been at. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. This is Genesis 3 and verse 19. It's only stating the case. We are dust, we're just dust, and to dust we're going to go back one day. And how stark was Job's description. He was going to go down into the grave. And he was going to go back to what he had came from. He was going to go back to the dust. Don't allow, don't allow pride to keep you from coming to Christ. The corpse has no pride. The corpse has no pride. I, I know with all of our loved ones, I don't make light of this. With all of our loved ones, every, every undertaker will, will dress that loved one and will make that loved one look presentable in the coffin for those that will take the final look. There's a culture of death. And there's a culture even in our land of making death not look as bad as what it is. But the corpse knows nothing about it. Knows nothing about it. And how quickly does death and the decomposition of the body bring us to nothing? Job knew he was going to that house appointed to all men, to the grave. He had an understanding of the penal aspect of death. It's very interesting that we went through those catechisms this evening. 
Because this was not nearly a natural phenomenon. It's natural. People say, well, it's just the natural order of things that people die. But death is not natural. Death is a judgment. Death is a punishment of God because of sin. The grave was the place, the house of God's appointing. We read in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 9 and verse 27, those solemn words, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Death is a judgment. Death is a judgment on sin. Let's not lull ourselves into thinking it's just part of the natural order. Every one of us will die because of the judgment of God on sin. Every funeral you attend it is a reminder of the judgment of God on sin. We all are included in that number. We're all going to die because of sin. And irrespective of your colour, irrespective of your country, irrespective of your creed, of your class, whatever it is, it is the lot of all of Adam's race. Oh, they will die. Death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Just straight out of the catechism, even this evening, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. If we're honest, we have to say that none of us expect to die. The Archbishop of Ireland at the memorial service for the Queen in Belfast you know, his opening statement, I, I, it was the most interesting part of the whole thing, of course. And his opening statement went something like this. The only one, there's only two people in, in the world we didn't expect to die. And that was the queen and her cells. But the queen had to die. And so will you and I. I want you to notice secondly from this text that there is comfort gleaned from it. Even, even Christians can be apprehensive in facing death. But Job in his anguish and in his anguish of body, and remember he was going through physical anguish and in his anguish of soul, he never forgot God. God was still in control of what was happening. He wouldn't die apart from God. He said, I know that thou wilt bring me to death. He didn't say his sickness, his constricted lungs, his body that was a, a writhing in pain, the cancerous sores, the, 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 all that he was suffering at that time would bring him to death. Those were only secondary causes. He said, thou will bring me to death. And to God alone belongs all the issues of life and death. There are secondary causes. We know all of that. We sang those words, plagues and deaths around me fly. Till he bids, I cannot die. Not a single shaft can hit till the God of love sees fit. I remember from one of those hubs in, in the Middle East going out to India on the flight. It was about a five, six hour flight. And they, they tell you, you, know, you're, you better put on your seatbelt because it's going to be air turbulence. And you're 34,000 feet up in the air. And you have to put on those seatbelts and you sit there. And the plane starts to shake and it starts to vibrate. And everybody's told to sit down. 
And their hostess sits down and puts her belt on. And what are we waiting for? We're, we're waiting to get through this hour of turbulence. But it goes on for an hour and two hours. And it just seems to be unending. And what's your consolation? 34,000 feet up in the air on top of the ocean. What, what's your consolation? Not a shaft of light can hit. Until the God of love sees fit. We're in his hands. Thou will bring me to death. Nobody else will do it. Thou will bring me to death. Job comforted himself with the thought that the Lord would be with him in death. That's, that's encouraging here. Thou will bring me. So he wasn't going on his own. In other words, he would have God with him. God would be with him when he would die. It is in love that God is pleased to bring us to death, brethren and sisters. He has prayed, Jesus prayed, in John 17, that we would uh, be with him in glory and we will be with him. His prayers will be answered. One by one, those prayers will be answered. When a saint dies, prayer is answered because the saint is translated to glory and to the regions of, of, of heaven above. And the Lord will be with us on the journey's end. I've been over the years with people, dear Christian people, when they're dying, I visit them Day by day I've read and prayed with them. I've known and sensed the presence of the Lord with them. It's as if I've said often before in going to visit the late Reverend Wesley Graham. It was as if he was in heaven before he got there. If God brings us to death. The Bible assures us he'll bring us back up again. Job believed in the resurrection. Those great verses in Job chapter 19, 23 to 27, where Job said, facing death, facing eternity, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And it's wonderful to know that though I die, Jesus lives. And because he lives, he will bring me back up again. And I will see him in this flesh. This flesh will decay, it will go back to the dust from whence it came. Genesis 3 verse 19. But I know that he will raise me back up again. That's the teaching of the word of God. We shall die. There's no discharge in the battle. We shall die. But let us not despair in the battle. We shall die. But there is victory in the battle. Because he will raise us back up again. The soul in the moment of death goes to be with God. The body will be buried awaiting the resurrection day. And on that glad eternal morning, body and soul will be, re be united in that resurrected glorified state for all of God's great eternity. Thou will bring me. Nobody else was going to do it. That's our comfort. Thirdly, look at his calm experienced. Job speaks of death as a certainty, but without any regrets. He didn't say, thou will bring me, but I wish I had it done X, Y, Z. There are people today and they talk about their bucket list, what all the things they're going to do before they die, not even thinking, not even thinking that God should take them out in a second. This is a text in which the, the peace of God pervades right over it. There are men who are able to face death calmly. Even when the body is suffering. Job was one of them. And those who undergo such afflictions. Not only wait on the Lord's will. But sometimes they even desire. Desire the Lord's will. 
Happy are those who are longing to go to heaven. The growing infirmities of age that they work in just the same way. Why does God allow us to grow old? Why does God allow the body to suffer infirmities? So that just step by step our ties with time are loosened until they're ready to be cut completely. This is what was happening here. There's no panic in Job chapter 30. There's just submission to the will of God. When we delight in God's sovereign decree, we'll not murmur, we'll not chide as we learned this morning. We will to submit to what the Lord has for us. Holiness also sets the soul free from the wickedness of this world. When, when someone loves holiness, they're ready to leave the impurity of the world behind them. And they'll welcome heaven. Sinners aren't barred from heaven, but sin is barred from heaven. No unforgiven sin will ever get into heaven. And that's something every soul in the gathering needs to understand and comprehend again tonight. You can get into heaven without being educated. You can get into heaven without being rich. You can get into heaven if you're poor. You can get into heaven irrespective of your political affiliations or associations. You can get into heaven being a nationalist. You can get into heaven being a loyalist. But you can't get into heaven if your sin's not forgiven. And what a sobering reality that is. Even in this meeting this evening. You can't get into heaven unless your sin is forgiven. You need to seek the mercies of God in Jesus Christ. That your sin would be forgiven. When someone knows that they're accepted by Christ. When someone knows that they are forgiven by Christ. Well then they're ready. Whenever that departure comes. You turn over with me please to Timothy. Just for a little minute. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1. And verse 12. <coughs> Sorry, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 and 12. For the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, or I know whom I've trusted in. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Will he let us go? No, he'll not let us go. He will keep us. And he'll keep us in that day. Now let me ask you tonight. Have you trusted in him? Have you believed in him. Unto the saving of your soul. Young and old. Have you believed in him? Have you entrusted your soul to him. Who is a faithful God. And one who will keep you. Right to the, the very journey's end. Job chapter 30. And verse 23. I think finally it's meant to. Arouse the careless. Job 
You can't think of death. You can't think of judgment. You can't think of leaving all behind you and not prepare for it. Would you move tomorrow and not prepare today? I don't think any of you would even dream of doing that. Somebody would come and say, you have to move your house tomorrow. You would have been preparing for it weeks beforehand. You just wouldn't be thinking of it tomorrow. And here God comes to us and he said, be ready to move. Because that move could come just at an instant of time. You need to prepare eh, men and women promptly. The great emperors of, of Constantinople, <clears throat> when they were, were crowned as emperors, emperors, they were brought various slabs of marble. And what were they for? They were to choose their headstone for their grave. And they were reminded even as the crown was put upon them and they were given that great power with which they were endued that one day soon they would leave it and they had to be prepared. And is that not something that should be done urgently? Urgently. Be urgent. If, if this is your last moment, if this is your last opportunity, if this was to be your last opportunity to prepare before God would move you, the final move, Job 30 and 23, the final move for us all, if this was to be your last warning of it, is it not urgent that you prepare for it tonight? Make sure you're in Christ. Make sure you're trusting him. Make sure you know his presence, his love, his mercy, his grace in your heart and life. Make sure you can say, I know in whom I have believed. I know who I'm trusting in to take me to heaven. The blessed Lamb of God. We sang in that opening praise, what a wonderful saviour is Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful friend he is. He is the one who suffered and bled and died. He was the rock that was smitten. And from his wounded, driven side flows that healing, flows that precious blood that is able to cleanse and save the, the foulest offender who truly believes just that very moment a pardon from Jesus receives. He's still a wonderful saviour. That hymn was written uh, many hundreds of years ago, but Jesus is still a wonderful saviour. And right to the journey's end, he'll be the only saviour of sinners of those who need mercy and those who need grace. Dear brethren and sisters, let's, let us all live. Not carelessly, but let's live with eternity in view. One day, God's going to take you on me. And instead of you sitting in that pew, your coffin will be there. And we'll take that coffin and they'll bury it. And that'll be your final move. But what about the soul that's already gone on to meet God? For all eternity, where God meets you, where God meets you, either in Christ or out of Christ, 
That's where you're going to be for all eternity. Lost or saved. In heaven or in hell. Let's place you in our hearts and prayers. We'll close our service tonight.